A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, welcome to Writer's Routine. This is the show that takes you behind the scenes of an author's day to simply see how they get their work done. Now today we've got a double header because both co-writers of a brand new book are on the show. Eve Mackis and Anthony Cropper are friends, they're authors and colleagues. They're both creative writing teachers at the same university. Now they've worked on something that's a little bit different, which we're hearing about on the show today. It's called The Accidental Memoir and it's a kind of self-help book to prompt you to write your own memoir. Now, we talk about the tight times that they set themselves to get to work each day. Also, how it all started as an incredibly thoughtful, by the way, incredibly thoughtful Christmas present. And uh, how all the knowledge of teaching creative writing for a few years helped them to be in the best place to slightly mould the way that you tell your story. One thing I always do at the beginning is get the people to tell a true story and they'll, they'll tell me a story, they'll write down a story which is filled with fantastic quality material. It's, it's specific, it's got detail, uh, it's, it draws on the senses, it's got a point to it, something always happens. It's got the, the, this three-act structure of the beginning, middle and end. People naturally can do that and can write at a very high level. And what I say to them then is make sure you transfer all of that across to your stories. And what happens generally is as soon as we go to the next exercise and they write a story, all of that rich detail disappears. So people need to just remember to make the fiction as believable and as honest and as accurate as as the, the stories that they've lived. There's all that and more on this week's Writer's Routine. Yes, hello, thanks so much for giving us a listen. My name is Dan Simpson and this is Writer's Routine. Oh, and it's hot outside at the moment, isn't it? I'm in the front room in my flat and I've got all the curtains pulled, all the windows and doors shut to keep out the noise when I record this. But it also means it is hotter in here than the sun. So if I suddenly go silent, uh, probably send for help if you can. Now, if you're brand new to the show, if this is your first listen and perhaps you're struggling with your work, stick around. I promise you will hear some advice in this chat that will help you with your creativity. If you've been around and listened to this show many times before, well, do me a favour, just take a few seconds of your day and drop us a quick review on the iTunes podcast store. Get on there, it takes just a couple of seconds, search for Writer's Routine and let other people know what you think. It helps them out with their work and it helps us out with the iTunes podcast store so we can get a wide range of authors that want to come and be on the show. It would be amazing if you could just take a few seconds of your day and do that for us. Now today on the show, uh, something like a little bit different in that 
well, it's not a novel. It's not a biography. It's not a polemic. It's a guide, really. And we've not had a guide like this on the show ever. We're talking about the accidental memoir with its writers, Eve Mackis and Anthony Cropper. Now, it all started as a Christmas present from Eve to her dad. And along with Anthony, they used all their knowledge of teaching creative writing to jot down a series of prompts in a notebook to get him to tell the story of his life. So perhaps he could write down all the things that he just couldn't express out loud with words. They wrote a book to try and prize open a closed book. And when it went well, they took the idea to a publisher and here it is in front of me. It's full of prompts and tips to get writing because they both work together as creative writing lecturers at the same university. So they know how to get straight to the point and extract something from anyone really. It's a great book to have around as well. It sounds really strange, but you know those books that you just love to have and to hold? It's one of those. It's just a a beautiful work of art, really. Now, we talk about the different incarnations of the book and how they made it as tight as it can be in the third draft, the one that sat in front of me. Also, we find out why they think it does something that other creative writing books simply don't manage. Now, very quickly, before we start, uh, there were some mic issues with this recording. It's very simple. There were three people in the room. I only have two mics. So I sacrificed mine. And what it means is that there's not too much of me asking questions. It's kind of freeform. I think it flows quite nicely. But if you hear a slightly confusing edit... A jarring change of tact and pace in the conversation. I don't think there's too many, but if you do hear something, please push through it. It'll be fine in a few seconds. Now let's get to it then. We start with Eve Mackis and Anthony Cropper, the co-authors of the brand new book, The Accidental Memoir. And we talk about the places that they prefer to get their work done. I've written it in all sorts of places over the last 15 years. Sometimes it's been chaotic and noisy, but I've still managed to write. Uh, when Harry was, well, my youngest son, Harry, was born, I decided to stay at home, look after him and write as well. And having children, if, you know, if you've got children, you know what it's like. It's very noisy, it's very chaotic. And I'd still have my computer out, my laptop out all the time on the kitchen table and I'd try and snatch moments between his, you know, between, between changing nappies and feeding him and things like that. Uh, other times, I couldn't stand to sort of be in that situation. I would want it absolutely silent. So where I am now, I like it really quiet. Sometimes a little bit of music on, but most mostly very quiet so I can just sit and concentrate. I'm always thinking. I'm thinking in the shower. I'm thinking as I'm washing the plates. I'm, I'm thinking as I'm sort of lying in bed. So... When I start writing, I'm not writing from cold. I'm writing from having thought about something, having sort of warmed my brain up, if you like. Um, yeah, ideally, I'd like to, to write when it's quiet, but, you know, that, that situation doesn't always exist. Uh, so my routine is that I have my laptop open always. So I'll sort of pick my son up from school, back to my desk, cook the dinner, back to my desk. I, I generally don't watch television, so that's my... I guess that's my relaxation, my entertainment, is is writing. For me, I'm the same as Eve, really. I write in the middle of the night. I used to have a pad by the side of my bed. Now I just have the phone by the side of the bed, switch that on and just write if ideas come uh, in the day. I'm exactly the same. My laptop is open all the time, 24 hours a day, so I can just drop in at any moment so I don't have to wait because ideas just come uh, and 
it's spare at the moment they just you don't know when a good idea or a bad idea is going to come along so you just have to sit be ready to catch it really and to write it down but it's, uh, if i could just say it's just not it's not always about having an idea and you you know uh, being inspired and you sit you know writing is slog as well so yeah. once you've got an idea down or you've got a chapter down you've got to shape the chapter you've got you know there's, there's a whole lot of things you need to do with your writing to, to to get it right or to a point at which you're you're happy with it so it's yeah. not always about sort of capturing inspiration that doesn't happen very often it's about labouring over your work and you have, to, you have to keep going back to it. It's iterative, isn't it? It's just like small stages all the time. When you're working on something big, it might be just a word that you might get in a day or it might be just an idea to advance the story or to advance the book forward a little bit in terms of words, some position in of certain words. So as Eve says, it's not necessarily always about the big idea. It's about just staying with it and keeping on and on and on. And just if I could tell you quickly about a writing exercise I do with, with my different classes is I get them to describe the perfect writing spot. I'll tell them about my perfect writing spot at the start and I'll say it's on uh, Mount Elgon overlooking the African plains. I, I used to live in Africa a long time ago, 20 years ago, in this grand house with wildebeest going past and giraffe, all these animals out, out of the window and coffee's always on the, on the boil. And it doesn't exist, my perfect writing spot. So I get all the students or the participants to talk about their perfect writing spot which they've all got these, you know, either on boats or up in mountains or up at the top of an office block or whatever it could be. Uh, but they, afterwards, I, I'd say to them, well, nobody chooses to be in a classroom. Nobody chooses to be at a university in a room with 15 other people, uh, with, with somebody at the front like me who's telling them to write certain things. So this perfect writing spot doesn't exist. And yet people come into rooms together like that and produce fantastic quality material so we can produce in any i think in, not in any circumstance but but in many many different sort of environments we can be creative and can uh, work on on different ideas i think it doesn't have to we don't have to have the perfect spot i think how it starts sort of early on in the days is that there's a a rapid exchange of uh, messages, text messages, so that we're sort of working out what we're going to do when we meet up, or there's emails, so that so we're sort of deciding that when we get together, we're going to work on this or that, and then we would normally meet at my local library. That was the place where we met to work, and we would sit and have a quite an intensive three-hour session. We had very specific things we wanted to get through and I knew I had three hours parking on the local car park outside the library as well. So I had no more than that. I got a parking ticket once for being about five minutes over or something. So three hours, unless if we were really busy, I could go and move it to somewhere else uh, and carry on. But we, we'd, I'd drive down to Nottingham. It's about an hour's drive for me. We'd meet, say, 10 o'clock in the morning. We'd work through till early afternoon, uh, get through as much as we could with the book just sitting at one of the, the tables in, in, in the library, weren't we? Yeah. Making quite a bit of a racket at times, I think, yeah. talking yeah. Uh, quite intensively with each other about, about ideas. Yeah, I think with the nature of this project, it, it allowed us to work together. I don't think you can work on a novel in the same way. You can't no. work on a novel the same way. What we did, there was a lot of brainstorming, so it was a lot of back and forth. Should we put this in with this work? Let's try this. How about this? And, and I think we have probably a very similar or the same ethos on the teaching of writing we sort of believe that everybody can write if they're given the right prompt um, with a little bit of gentle encouragement I think everybody can write and that's what the book's about so we'd sort of decide on a prompt we decide on the literary reference because at the 
foot of each page there's a literary reference an extract that goes with the prompt so it's a little bit more inspiration so we'd we'd decide on those we'd mm-hmm. um neither of us have sort of uh, we're not big egos we weren't not precious about our works we're sort of, we're willing to accept the other person's opinion if you know if it's the right one and we'd sort of quickly decide what was right and how we would what we'd include what we wouldn't include how we'd phrase the prompts um a lot of work went into it but we just wanted to get it just right didn't we the tone of the book um, yeah we I mean, wanted a particular tone it went through various uh forms as well though from, from when it first started we can talk about the, the original idea in a sec but the uh this version is version number three, I think, isn't it? We we had other versions which which had more explanations, more uh, more descriptions of the prompts, some of our own stories in there as well to try and help people come up with ideas. But in the end, we sort of stripped it back as much as we could because we've both been teaching creative writing for 10, 15, 20 years between, you know, a, a long, long time. So we, we stripped it back as much as we could because we know that people don't often go out and buy or read textbooks on creative writing yeah, we want, so we, we wanted, wanted to, to find practical we wanted to find a book that would um straddle the uh, most people wouldn't go and buy a creative writing textbook that's in the creative writing section of a bookshop for example on the other side are the sort of more standard journals with very very basic prompts so we wanted to take the middle road we wanted to produce a book that had both substance um that was easily accessible easy to use uh, but sort of boiled down the uh, secrets of writing really um, and made them uh, you know accessible for everyone again we've stripped it down to to the basics to what we think are the most important nuggets of information that that students need to know or, or practitioners of writing need to know about so we've, we've we've included those but mainly it's a practical book where where people will learn by doing you learn by sitting down and trying some writing and, and try to work out what's right and what's wrong with it I would normally type type it up I'd sort of keep a file of all our ideas and uh, how they were developing and we would bat ideas back and forward uh, we would sort of quickly rule things out we'd write something and then we'd shape it we'd edit it we spent I think we spent quite a few hours arguing about hyphens uh how many we should use the sort of how they should look uh anthony doesn't like hyphens i don't mind them so there were, there were things like that there were little there were minor things that we that was in the latter stages that was in the latter when stages we were editing. but i mean that's sort of an example of what we do we'd we'd write something and then we'd edit it um and then we'd move on to the next thing and we'd edit that and then when we came to the whole thing we'd have to edit it again and there was constantly a toing and froing of ideas um and then even after the after the meetings immediately after we'd send messages just as he said it wasn't the three hours i'd be working beforehand i'd be working in the night after after we'd met i'd be driving back home and i kept i keep pulling over to the side of the road to text and say i think we should do it this way or i think i think this would be a good idea maybe we should add this in so it'd be extra information which is still flying around in my head even when I got back home as I said it's an hour's drive I'd get back home get on my my laptop and we'd be emailing each other saying well we could what about doing it this way or that way or or including a prompt about this idea so it was it was it was non-stop working really for probably about six months at least I think on on, on the book and I'd add it to the file so I'd keep the file I'd keep adding and eventually you know we we finished the book well I was looking for a present for my father and um, I wanted the present to 
do lots of things. I wanted it to be something that was personal from me, something that was uniquely from me. I wanted to cheer him up because he was he's on the cusp of 80 and he he was feeling a bit low. Um, I wanted I wanted to give him something he could interact with after Christmas. And also I wanted to I think I wanted to capture his stories. The idea came in a flash. I thought why don't I get an, a cheap notepad, fill it with life writing prompts. It's it's something that I, you know, something I know about, um, and that way get him to share his stories and also to communicate because he's not a big communicator. He doesn't sort of share his emotions. And the first person I asked was my husband, who said it's a great idea, go and do it. Um, and then I rang Anthony, uh, but I think before I rang Anthony, I, I, I sort of knew. I thought, who wouldn't want a book like that? Who wouldn't want a book to give to either a, a friend or a relative, a parent? Um, a young person or an old person, you know, as a as a place for people to collect their stories, record their memories. That was great. I was just sitting at my desk, stone out of the back garden, and uh, ignoring the mess. And the phone went, and Eve was saying, "I've got a great idea." She told me about the idea about this notebook filled with writing prompts that she wanted to give to her father. So we talked it through, and she was saying, "Would you like to be involved?" And of course, I'd like to be involved. It's a fantastic idea, I think. So we just talked through the initial idea of what she might include in terms of the prompts for her father for Christmas, and then. Well, I gave the the book to my dad, and I left it about a month. And he came back, and he'd written in it, and he'd written things that I didn't know. He'd written rhyming couplets. He'd um, he'd written about his emotions, and and this is a man who's never written, who doesn't consider himself a writer, who works in a fish and chip shop for fifty years of his life, um, and he was writing quite emotive stuff, very very special stories, and I think that that. that Writing, my father's writing was our green light to take the project further. Yeah, and just to go to fast forward just till last week, actually, uh, his father read at the launch what he'd, he'd, he'd produced quite a number of um, snippets of writing. And what we did was, was take those snippets, remove the prompts and just put it together. So it formed a, the opening of a memoir. It started with his name, then went on, went on to where he lived, then went on to a memory of his missing brother, and then came back to his name, I think, the, 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 the snippets that had been stitched together. Uh, and it was really strong, him standing up. He's never read before in public. I don't think he's ever talked like that in, in front no, of people he's before. Never, he's never read in public. I think he really enjoyed it he as well, it. didn't he? He, he really, it. I think I've got he really a snippet did enjoy here it. if you want me to read it. Please, yeah? please. Yeah. In response to this particular prompt in the book... Is there someone you miss, a parent, close friend or sibling? What reminds you of them? When's the last time you saw them? What do you miss? So this is what my father wrote. The one and only person I miss is my brother, Andreas. He was always there when needed and ready to give advice. He was kind and thoughtful and would do anything for anybody, even strangers. I saw him last in 1974, just before he was captured in the Cyprus invasion. And then I saw him dead at a place in Nicosia where they kept all the missing person's remains. It was ironic, but it felt like he was there in person. I felt a shudder going through my body. I felt he was going to talk to me. So it's quite a sort of an emotional, personal family story. And um, for me, it showed that um, with the right prompt, you can unearth a very sort of powerful story. Using words like ironic, which he wouldn't normally use, and expressing his feelings, you know, saying a, a shudder had gone through his body. And I, obviously I knew about this experience that he'd had, but I didn't know how he felt about it. And I wouldn't have known had it not been for the book. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, very quickly, before we get back to today's chat, I want to quickly remind you of all the ways that you can get in touch with the show. The best and easiest of those is probably on Twitter. You can find us and give us a follow. We are at Writers Pod on there. And it's absolutely the best place if you want a quick reply and a retweet for any praise that you happen to send out my way. Also, we're on Instagram, Writers Routine there. And you can get quotes from all of the authors pretty much every day uh, to give you motivation to get through your work. And you can find us on our website. You can get all the ways to listen to the shows. You can catch any of the episodes you may have missed so far. And there's also a really easy form that you can fill out if you want to get in touch with us. That is over at writersroutine.com. Right, let's get back to it then. Our chat with Eve Mackis and Anthony Cropper. We're chatting about how they worked together for three hours every single day to write their brand new book, The Accidental Memoir. Now, it's not a novel. It's, it's not so much standard non-fiction either. It's, it's a guidebook and it's full of prompts and tips to help you write your own life story. Now, in the second half, we chat about how writers learn by doing and reading more than analysing. Uh, also, how they managed to whittle down the text and they thought about every single word that they wrote. And we pick things up with a conversation about what this book actually does. Like, why do they think it helps someone get their ideas and their stories down in a much better way than other creative writing help books that are out there? What's their secret? I think it's the way in which we phrase the prompts. The prompts are very leading in a very gentle way. So, um, you know, another book perhaps would have, you know, who do you miss? You know, we're asking, who do you miss? Why do you miss them? You know, what is it that you miss about them? So all of the prompts are um, phrased in that way, in a very sort of gentle way, but in a way that jogs people's memories. And there is advi- writing advice in the book, but it, again, it's it's offered in a in a very sort of um, unthreatening way uh, mm-hmm. in a in you know we've got advice about 
using your senses when you write. We've got words in the book that are sensory words. Um, what, what the book tries to do is tries to teach writing in an inadvertent way, and I think that's the power of the book. Plus, uh, we didn't think it would be appropriate in terms of, for this book, have it, having sections on character and plot uh, and structure and things like that. that that's, that's for another book, we think. We think. Uh, this one was really focusing on people's life stories and the, their own experiences and, and getting them to draw upon them because they're the things, whenever, again, relating it back to a creative writing class, one thing I always do at the beginning is get the people to tell a true story, what, talk about a journey you've been on, for example, and they'll, they'll tell me a story, they'll write down a story which is filled with fantastic quality material. It's, it's specific, it's got detail, uh, it's, it draws on the senses, it's got a point to it, something always happens, it's got the, the, this three-act structure of the beginning, middle and end. People naturally can do that and can write at a very high level. And what I say to them then is make sure you transfer all of that across to your stories when you write a story. And what happens generally is as soon as we go to the next exercise and they write a story, all of that rich detail disappears. So people need to just remember to make the fiction as believable and as honest and as accurate as, as the, the stories that they've lived as well. Uh, and I think that book, yeah. this book helps th- people do that. I think the other thing about the book is it has got a tight structure. The idea came in a flash of inspiration, but it was 40 combined years in the making. You know, this, is, this book is based on our experience, not only as creative writing teachers, but also I've, I'm a, a novelist. I've had four novels published. I've had... a I've written a screenplay, Anthony's written plays, he's written a short story collection, he's written novels, and we've both been teaching uh, creative writing for years. So it's, I, think, I think it's our combined experience, both as professional writers and as teachers of writing, has you know, allowed us to write this book relatively quickly in terms of the time it took to write, but actually it was fermenting for many, many years. I yeah, think, some, about, some I of think these, you were writing a creative writing book about 15 years ago. Yeah, we were talking about it before. It was uh, maybe 14, 15 years ago I contacted Taylor and Francis uh, with an idea for a, a book on creative writing, similar-ish to this in terms of just being lots and lots of writing prompts. But I had they, they were interested and said, get back to us with a sample. I just never did because I, I, it didn't quite work. It was just a, it was just a, a random collection of... of of writing prompts, yeah, really. I think with this book, there's a there's a solid solid concept, mm. and um, we we've sh- we shaped the book actually with the uh, with the help of our agent Anna Beaumont. She she the first two there was there was too much writing in the first two. So in the in the in the in the first one, for example, we would have a prompt, then we'd have an example of the sort of writing that you should do. So we'd use our own stories, and it became too much about us. So we thought. That's not right. The second one was too much sort of legacy, a legacy project. So it would be more for someone who you'd want to capture the stories of someone who was older. And then the third book, where it all sort of fell into place, it, it was no longer a legacy project. It was a celebration of life. So it could be for anybody. And that's when you know we showed it to Diana, and she said, "Yes, this is it. This is you've just got it right now. It's got the the right sort of combination of." prompts, literary uh, references and extracts. Well it was when we'd managed to 
applied for the Arts Council grant, we were successful with the Arts Council grant and produced a prototype. I think as well, Diana had only been seeing three or four or five pages, just a sample of it. It's when she saw the whole collection, the, the ideas together, that she said, yes, this is definitely going to yeah. work. And the other thing that we did was we, we trialled the exercises. So mm. I trialled them on my students, uh, writing classes, Anthony did the same. So we knew which exercises worked and which didn't. So not all of all of the exercises made the book, only the ones that we knew or we felt would work best. We were always whittling it down and whittling it down and working on the tone. So we wanted it to be friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, Playful. Yeah. Uh, engaging. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And educational as well. Yeah. I think we, we as Eve said, we'd, we'd look through it each section over and over again to make sure there's no repetitions that that the that it flowed uh, in the way we wanted it to that it sounded in the way we wanted it to so each you know it was it was like a, the bigger structure initially of what what we're going to include and how we're going to structure it and then in the final sort of stages really just before we went to the initial publication it was it was the fine tuning which is the sort of latter part of writing a novel as well as it's the editing going over and over and over the sentences the words to make sure it's as as good as we can make it and for me as much editing went into this as I would put into writing a short story collection or or a novel it was just that much focus on on the words. And there was a ton of editing you just just wouldn't believe how much editing I mean even when it was going to publication we still sort of found things that we needed to change editing was a a massive a massive part of it but I think I think what was really lucky for Anthony and I is that we we sort of had the same vision didn't we we had the same vision that's really important Uh, you can't just work with anybody they've got to sort of share your philosophy we've got the same philosophy well I think we both teach creative writing in a similar way I mean I I know people who who would teach it uh, from the basis of looking at people's work, bring the work into the class and then analysing and critiquing all the students' work or the participants' work. Whereas my approach and Eve's approach to writing is really getting people to learn about writing by, by doing it. By, writing. By, by having a writing exercise in the class. So as, as, as often as I can, I would say if we're going to look at your, your, your story and, and look at in particular how, how you've structured your dialogue and how you've worked your dialogue I, I, would, I might start the session by getting people to write some dialogue to, to add uh, subtext in there maybe to have people not, not necessarily responding by responding with silence or, or changing the subject so you might look at dialogue in, in a particular way through an exercise and then look at someone's story and, and people could then look at the dialogue and say they could say what was right and what was wrong with the dialogue. Whereas if you, if I just told you and acted like a script doctor and just told you what was right and wrong with it, I don't think, and I think Eve's the same as me, feels that people don't necessarily learn. I, I think you learn by doing something. You learn a, a deeper, that, you get a yeah, deeper understanding a, by, by a, trying what's right and what's wrong. I think that's at the heart of the philosophy of the book. You, you learn by doing, you learn by writing more. And... Um, this is both for people who don't consider themselves writers who just want to sort of record their memories and it's also for people who do write um in fact i got a message today from a friend of mine who is she's a writer she's not had anything published and she said one of your prompts has given me an idea for a novel so she's sort of working her way through the book and um so so it can work in that way as well it can be inspiration for people who do write 
the thing I try and do in all my classes is get people to play, have fun and be open to ideas, open to new ideas as well. You know, people might come with with novels they've been working on and ideas they've, they've had in the past, but I say just be prepared to have new ideas. So I would I would get people to play an experiment as often as I can in the class and just try new things, getting random pictures, random words, random places, mixing them all together, just to try to generate that sort of creative side. And then we would maybe work on, on focusing on the ideas and developing those ideas. But it's really, I think, about play and not necessarily thinking, I want to write a novel today and I'm going to start a novel today. You just don't know where your ideas are going to come from and don't know when the, when the ideas are going to come. It's just being open to as many ideas as possible I think so it's for me at the university a lot of it is about playfulness and just trying different things trying uh, trying a whole range of different exercises without worrying about the outcome you've got to become a good editor to to write you know you've got to be able to edit your work you've got to be discerning uh, you've got to you've got to read so that you sort of pick up on the patterns in writing so there's, there's, there are sort of nuts and bolts so it's you Absolutely. know you go away you experiment but you also need the foundations yeah but I, I would say to people not to worry about the the nuts and bolts of it on day one because if you start worrying about structure and syntax and adverbs and adjectives before you've even written anything you probably won't write anything I'd, I'd say to people no that, that comes slowly that, that, that comes com- that, yeah. that comes slowly so through reading other people's work through sort of reading their work more closely I think they that's how they develop the inner senses uh, to senses to sort of edit their own work and, yeah and, and I, I would say people to, to produce material and then if, if it's a, no, a novel length or if they want to write a novel then you start editing it so do your first draft and then go over and make sure it's tight as it can be so that is it for this week's episode then massive thank you to eve and anthony for coming on sparing their time chatting to me about the accidental memoir if you want to pick up a copy for yourself or if you think it might be a great present uh, for someone you know if you've always wanted to hear like a, a relative's stories but they're kind of a closed book themselves then maybe you can give them this book to squeeze out uh, all the nuggets of information that you can you can find links to buy it over on our website writersroutine.com Now, I'm in Edinburgh for the whole of August. I have no interviews in the bag uh, and I don't know what's happening for the next few weeks of the show. Now, we will be back. This isn't goodbye forever. I just don't know if that will be in the autumn a bit later on in the year or it might be sooner if I get some interviews while I'm up there. I mean, the Edinburgh Fringe must be full of people wanting to chat about something creative. Surely I can call up at least one of them to sit down and chat with me over a microphone. Uh, In the meantime, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. I'll put out regular clips from all of our chats so far to help with your summer writing. And if you have a few seconds, please leave us a review over on the iTunes podcast store. And I'll see you sometime in the future. Until then, thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back at a point with another writer's routine. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 